This is Listen Again with the Bridge, your opportunity to hear Sunday's message. We hope you enjoy listening, and it all starts right now. Well, Merry Christmas. Excited for this week. It's the week of Christmas, and you're going to get to spend a lot of time with family. Some of you will be traveling, and I just pray that everything goes well for you. Uh, I do want to give you one more push before uh, I dive into the message this morning that uh, at the beginning of the year, a couple of weeks away, we're going to do something that we did last year as well, and it's 21 days of prayer. And we want to begin that on the 3rd, which is a Monday. So we'll be here on the 2nd, on Sunday, January 2nd. We'll promote it one more time. And then on Monday, January 3rd through January 24th, we want to do 21 days of prayer. And it really just comes down to seeking God first and His kingdom, His righteousness, And then he promises that everything else will be added unto us. And so beginning the year with prayer, there's power in prayer. Do you believe that? And it's a great way to begin your year, to focus on God, to let him lead and guide you through the year and direct you. And so we find that important. And so we want to let you know we're doing that. We do have um, a devotional every single day that you can read. We have a prayer that you can pray, and we want you to pray your own prayers and talk to God on your own. But we will provide those for you. You can find that on our website. Uh, I believe we are also using YouVersion app to, um, to have that out as well. And I'll clarify that with Mark and make sure to let you know that in the future, but I'm pretty sure that's how we're doing that. But I know it'll be on our website as well. So we want you to be able to follow along, and we're all going through the same thing every single day together in unity. And I think that's pretty cool as well. This is a pretty rare season uh, as far as Sundays go and Christmas, because two weeks ago we uh, celebrated the eighth anniversary of the bridge. And man, what a what a joy that was. What a great time it was. And last week, we had the kids program, and they, didn't they do an awesome job? Pastor Mark and Rachel Golightly did a great job leading our children in that program, and it was awesome. Uh, but it's weird because I didn't speak either of those times, so really this is my Sunday before Christmas to really speak about Christmas. And uh, I, I kind of see one thing here. Again, we, we kind of talked about the reason that we're here, and that's the birth of Christ, right? But it really comes down to why he came to this earth. So this is going to be a very simple, and I say simple, you'll find that it's very simple salvation message this morning. And we're going to learn from the shepherds. So if you will, take your Bibles and open to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and that's where I want to begin reading. I can't speak for the rest of you, but when I was growing up, um, it might have been because uh, I grew up in a pastor's home. I heard a lot about sin. I heard a lot about uh, salvation. I heard a lot about all those things. But I I remember always being worried about where I stood with God. Constantly. I mean, anytime I was doing something. And so every night when I went to bed, I would lay down and I would stare up at my ceiling thinking, what did I do today that might have taken me away from that salvation? Did I lie? You know, did I steal some change from my mom's purse and go buy some candy, which I did several times in my life when I was last year, but no, I'm just teasing. But uh, no, and I would lay there and think, man, did I do anything that's going to take me to hell? That, that was really how I saw it. And you know, that, that living that fear of where do I stand with God? I think a lot of people live in that fear. I think a lot of people do wonder that. But we, we don't help kids when, if, if you remember the prayer that we used to pray as children, 
It was that simple prayer that our parents taught us that I find it's a little bit creepy. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Good night, little buddy. Sleep well. Sweet dreams. I could die tonight. And if I die, God could take my soul. <laughs> what is, God, don't take me to hell, you know? So I can see why there was a worry there. But many of us have this idea of, we just wonder all the time, where do I stand with God? And what I want to do is, as we look at this Christmas story, I want to look at the shepherds. And we're going to learn a lot about the shepherds today. I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about this, but I believe it can help us understand where we stand with God, how God sees us. Too many times we only see ourselves the way maybe others might see us, or how we look at other people, we begin to look at ourselves in that light instead of seeing ourselves the way God sees us. So let's begin reading this story. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. It's going to seem like we're diving right in the middle. Uh, you, many of you know the Christmas story that Mary and Joseph were visited by an angel. Mary becomes pregnant with child. She's going to have the Savior of the world, right? And so they find themselves in Bethlehem for the census. And we're going to begin reading in verse 6, and it says, So it was that while they were there, meaning Bethlehem, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth the firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now, it's interesting because, again, what a miracle this is that Luke is describing to us this virgin birth, the Savior of the world, is now being born. And as Luke is describing how this is taking place, then the transition to the next line, verse 8 and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Okay? We went from having a baby to shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord showed around, shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news. Will you do me a favor? Look at your neighbor and say, Good news. Say this. Say, I've got good news. That will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, what's the meaning behind this? Why, why are we talking about shepherds? Why did the angels appear to these low-class, outcast shepherds? Why are the angels bringing them the good news? You know, this was social media worthy. This was headline news, front page. I interrupt this program to bring you the birth of the Savior of the world. And the angels appear to some shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Now, back in this time when Jesus was born, these are good things to understand. Uh, when a child was born, that family, if they had any money at all, they would hire a herald. And this herald would go around and they would announce the good news. Okay? So that's exactly what's happening here, but typically it was a person hired to do so. And so there was typically four reasons why this would happen. There were four events, so let me give you those. This comes from the word, good news comes from the word, eugalizo. 
And this word was used for four proclamations of great events. And here they are. First was if, if they were describing the good news of a victory. That, that our, our army had won a victory. They're going to send heralds around to announce the victory in that battle. Second, it was used to tell the good news of a wedding. Two people coming together in marriage, and they would hire someone to go around and announce that. Third, it was the word used to tell of the birth of a son. That's what we're looking at right now. And finally, it was used to tell the good news of the death of an enemy. So, hey, good news, we took out the Hittites or the Amalekites or whoever it was, and they would announce that. So a herald would be hired to announce these big things. And here we have a baby being born, but these people don't have the money to hire someone. An angel takes on that job, which is where we get the song, Hark, the herald angel sing, Glory to the newborn king. This angel is doing exactly what they were supposed to do. They were letting people know the good news. But it's interesting how many of us would really think through this and go, let's see, if I have a king being born, king of kings, lord of lords, why would I go to the shepherds? Man, I'm going to the kings. I'm going to go let the high class people know. I'm at least going to go to the to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes because they actually understand the coming Messiah. They actually knew to be looking for that. But where do they go? The angels out in the fields appearing to shepherds. Why the shepherds? One of the most disrespected groups of people. The job of a shepherd was so like easy that typically it was the youngest son if they had enough boys to do it, just like David, you know, David was a shepherd boy. He was the youngest in the family. And typically it was the youngest son, teenage boy that didn't really know how to do anything else but pick his nose and stand around. And, you know, that's just what teenage boys do and smell bad. That's just who they are. Sorry, Connor. Didn't mean to pick on you there, buddy. He'll kill me later for doing it. I owe you money now. I know. Five dollars. Yes, I have a deal with my children. If I use them, I pay them. But anyway costing me money my message. I can't even focus now. <laughs> Teenage boys, that's all they use. Or if they didn't have a boy, it was honestly, it went to the slaves. Uneducated. No, you're just standing there watching sheep. That's all you do. So it didn't take a lot of brain to be able to be a shepherd. The religious leaders taught that shepherds were not good enough for God. They could not live up to the religious rules of the day. So shepherds typically felt unworthy when it came to religious things. In fact, they were outcasts in Israel. They were taught that specifically you're not good enough for religion. They were nomads. They were wanderers. They were gone for weeks, months at a time before they would come back. So um, by doing that, they couldn't come to the temple. And so therefore they were declared ceremonially unclean. So God chose to let these shepherds know first why? And I think many of us can probably relate to this a little bit as we think about the shepherds because we come into church and we try to put on our church face, but we know the bad things we've done and we think, man, if I know the bad things I've done and if God knows the bad things I've done, how could he ever love me? And you look around at all the other church people at Christmas time and everybody looks Christmassy and holy and righteous and then there's you who, if it... 
man, if you just had about four inches more on that arm, you would have smacked one of your kids on the way to church reaching in the back seat because they wouldn't quit fussing. Or you were yelling them at home, brush your teeth, comb your hair, we're going to church today, dang it. And you come into church feeling a little unworthy. Looking at everybody else thinking, they got it all together. But then there's me. They felt inadequate. These shepherds, I mean, they were, again, uneducated. They never felt they measured up in society. Most shepherds were thieves. And even the ones that weren't, they were associated with thieves. So they were thought to be thieves. They were not trusted. Did you know they were never allowed to be used as a witness in court because their word could not be trusted? Even worse, spiritually, when the shepherds compared themselves to everyone else, they felt inadequate because one of the big rules was keep the Sabbath. You take a full day of rest. Watching the sheep was 24-7. There was no day of rest. You did it all day, every day. So physically, they couldn't even do everything they were supposed to do. They felt constantly like spiritual failures. It's amazing when we begin to compare ourselves to others how inadequate we can feel. Again, because we only see what's on the outside. And we begin to look around and go, well, if I, I, I don't know the Bible like they do. They seem to quote the right scriptures at the right time. And, you know, they pray the powerful prayers and they know right what to say. And, and then there's me over here and I don't know how to pray. And sometimes the only thing I'm praying is that I, you know, don't kill my kids over the Christmas holiday or whatever it might be. But unworthy and inadequate, that's how we could look at these shepherds. And I think many of us would say we kind of relate And we've got something to learn from this. When you see what they did with the message they received. You see, you're receiving a message today. Every week when we come together, you receive a message. And the question becomes, what do we do with that message? What do we do with the words that we hear every single week? What do we do with the good news that we receive? Many of us feel unworthy or unable to share that message. But I want to show you what these shepherds did as God revealed himself to them. The first thing the shepherds did, they received the message and they received it loud and clear. Look at verse 10 and we'll read 10 through 15. Look at what it says. The angel said to them, as he appears out of nowhere in the dark, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. Now, again, they're afraid. This dude appears out of nowhere, so they're probably going, what should we think of this? So he says, don't believe me? This will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly there was the angel, uh, with the angel was a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Boy, did they ever get a message. Standing out there just watching the sheep, just doing their thing like every other night. And out of, out of nowhere, man, they're having church. Like these angels are singing glory to God in the highest. Again, we're receiving this message today through the songs we sing. Noel, Noel, born as the king of Israel. We're receiving the good news, this message that comes to us. And the question is, what are you going to do with that message? Do you sit back and let fear get a hold of you and go, I'm inadequate, I'm unworthy, I really don't even deserve it. God could never love me, much less use me 
to help somebody else. But look at what happened. After they received the message. After they received it, they responded to the message. Look at verse 15. So it was when the angels had gone away from them in heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. They immediately responded, let us now go. They didn't get together and say, what do you think we ought to do? They said, let's go. Let's go check this out. Verse 16, they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and babe lying in a manger. They didn't wait. They responded to the message they had received. It was big enough. It was important enough. It made enough impact on their life that they responded in that moment to the message. And I don't know if we fully understand the brevity of this moment. Because again, we're just reading it out of a book. It's hard to wrap our minds around this. You ever made the statement, man, that's a once in a lifetime event. I got to tell you, that Chiefs game was pretty amazing Thursday night. And again, I'm a Cowboys fan, but I enjoyed watching that game. That was pretty cool. That was kind of a once in a lifetime kind of a game. This is not a once in a lifetime kind of event. This is once in eternity. Never again do you see the Savior of the world be born to a virgin birth. Never again do you see anything like this in Scripture before or after. It's an amazing moment where Christ, the Savior, is being born. Everything before this looked to this moment. Everything since talks about this moment. This was the moment. There was no precedence for this. This was unheard of. They didn't call the county shepherd meeting and go, hey, what'd you guys do the last time the angels appeared to you and told you there was a baby being born? Oh, they would think they're crazy. Angels appearing out of the sky? You've been smoking the devil's lettuce again. You don't know what you're talking about. No, they responded. They immediately went. And things were as exactly as they had been told. Can you imagine the excitement of being first on the scene. This was the premiere of the movie. This was the big moment. And the angels told him, and it was true. There he was. They were able to see him. And I love what happens next, verse 17. They didn't waste any time. They made haste to go see that what the angels had said was true. And it says, now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. For the first time in these shepherds' lives, they had a voice. For the first time in their lives, they weren't the last to hear. You understand, sleeping out in the field all day, whatever happened in town, they were the last to hear about it. This time, they're the first to know. They're first on the scene, and they're letting people know what they have seen. They received the message. They responded to the message. Now they are resounding that message. They made widely known saying which was told to them. See, they didn't tell one or two. They went and told everybody what had happened. If you can just hear these shepherds, the ones who had never had a voice before, who couldn't even be used in a court of law, and they were the last to hear anything, but they're the first to tell of the story of Jesus and what the angels had told them. And they could have let fear get the best of them. They could have said, this is incredible. I can't believe we get to be first on the scene, but nobody's going to listen to us. Nobody cares what we have to say. Some of these people know how we live. 
How many times have you said that to yourself? People know how I live. They've seen what I've done. They don't want to hear anything I've got to say. The religious leaders would have said they weren't even worthy to talk about this. Yet in this moment, they could not be silenced. They were resounding the message that no one else had heard. That, 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 I looked up the definition. I was talking about this all week, and I, I drove Courtney crazy talking about They received the message, they responded to the message, and they resounded the message. And she's like, that doesn't even make sense. Resounded the message. What are you talking about? And I'm like, well, look it up. And it, it's become filled with sound. To sound loudly. To sound or utter in full resonant tones. I mean, they were making it widely known. And I love that line that says, and all those who heard it marveled. This in itself was a miracle that God would even appear to these shepherds. That in itself was a miracle. You understand? That's God showing how much he even loves the outcast, the one who feels unworthy, the one who feels inadequate. And I believe this is for some of you today. God loves you no matter what you've done. He cared enough for you to get you the good news, to get you the message of the gospel. And those who heard this marveled, and I bet, we, I, I, I love this thing we found. This is just literally off social media. You can find this anywhere. If you went and typed it in, you'd find it today. But I want to show this picture. Do we have a picture of that little uh, trough? Okay, see that right there? That's really what a manger was, what, what Jesus would have been laid in. You can find this, again, for yourself. But here's, here's what it says about this. I bet you didn't know the following about the manger that Jesus laid in. Of course, mangers are animal feeding troughs, but in ancient Israel, they were made of stone. See the picture above? Not what you would see in modern day nativity scenes. Not comfortable, but great for protection. That's why those who are experts in this matter, the priests, would put their newborn lambs in them for protection. Not just any lamb, but the unblemished perfect lambs that were used in the sacrifice of sins. And Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, was famous for their unblemished lambs used for sacrifices. These lambs had to be perfect so they would wrap them tightly in cloth and lie them in the manger to keep them safe. This is exactly why the only time mangers are mentioned in Jesus' birth story is being told to shepherds. The shepherds would have understood this powerful parallel. They knew what the cloth and the manger meant, that this baby would be perfect, the perfect lamb of God, the Messiah who would sacrifice his life for the sins of the whole world. He wasn't just a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. He was God, perfect, sinless, holy, humbling himself to become the perfect sacrifice to reconcile us back to himself. That is the God we serve. That is the good news. That's why the shepherds could not be silenced. They received a message. They responded to that message. But they didn't stop there. They began to resound the message of the good news. Everything they had been told, they began to tell, retell, and retell. Do you ever find it interesting that the angels rejoiced? Think about this. Angels rejoicing over something that gave them no different outcome. This didn't affect the angels. The angels came from heaven, right? 
Jesus came to be born on earth to save the world. Yet angels rejoiced. The very thing that benefits us the most in regards to eternity, the Savior being born, living a sinless life, overcoming death, hell, and the grave, we go, eh, that's good news. Really? Yet angels were rejoicing. The Savior of the world was born. And you and I receive the good news. There's reason to rejoice. There's reason to respond. There's reason to resound that message over and over and over again. Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the Savior to you and to me was born. Now, whether you've ever received that message before in your life, today you're receiving a message. It's called the gospel. It's called the good news. Will you respond to that message? Will you let that message speak directly to you for those times that you felt inadequate, unworthy, not holy enough, not measuring up, all because you've been looking to other people rather than looking to God. God loved those shepherds enough to meet them right where they were, in the place where they spend every single night. He loved them enough to say, I want you to be my herald. I want you to be the messenger. Can I tell you, he's telling you the same thing today. So will you bow your heads with me? First Corinthians chapter 15. Verses three and four, it says this. Paul's talking. He said, what I received... I passed on to you as of first importance. I want you to remember, they received a message, they responded, they resounded. What's Paul talking about? He said, for what I have received, I pass on to you as of first importance. What did he receive? That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Church, that's the good news. That's the gospel, and you are the herald. God, the Son coming to the earth to save mankind for our sins, you are now the herald. A Savior or a Son has been born. Remember, that's what the herald was hired for, to announce the birth of a Son. A victory has been won. Jesus Christ overcame death, hell, and the grave. A great enemy, Satan, was defeated. And there is a wedding being prepared. And you are the herald. So let me begin by asking this question. Is there anyone in the room today that maybe walked in and you say, Chad, I've probably never heard this message, or if I have, I've never responded, never received this message. Today, you would like to pray a prayer of salvation, to accept Jesus Christ into your heart. This is your opportunity. This is your day. It'll be the greatest day of your life, greater than any gift you will ever receive at Christmas time.
It's the gift of salvation. It's the gift of eternal life. If you're here today and you want to receive that gift, will you lift your hands? Anybody in here? If you're watching online today, you don't have to lift a hand. But when we pray, I encourage you to pray the prayer of salvation. Anybody in here? I'm going to ask that we pray this together, all of us. If you'll just repeat after me, Heavenly Father, I believe in you. I believe that you do love me. I believe you sent your son to die for me. I surrender my life to you in this moment. I accept Jesus into my heart to forgive me of my sins so that I can be free. It's that simple, guys. What we just said allows you the opportunity to be free to be sinless. Is it over now and we just go back to life as usual? No, no. It it begins the relationship with Jesus. It all begins from this point moving forward. For those who have received today, And those of you who received many years ago, those of you who received a month ago, three months ago, we now have to respond. We've been given the good news. It's time to move. We got to go now. It's time to make haste. And we got to resound the message of the good news. It is on us. We are the herald. It is our job to take that message beyond this place to let every single person know who does not know that Jesus Christ came to this earth so that we can be free. So Father, I pray for every person in this room today. Many of us have heard this message time and time and time again and we've said, yeah, that's good news. Lord, there is so much more to this than that. This gospel message cannot be silenced. We cannot let our inadequacies or the thought that we're unworthy, our failures, we cannot let that keep us from spreading the message. The message is way greater than the messenger. And we've got to see it that way to understand that your message is way greater than any failure, any uh, problem, anything we've ever done in our life. This message is too important to be silenced. So I pray that you use us. Take us beyond these walls. And may we resound the message. Jesus Christ is born. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 